Hi, this is James Barris. I hope you find this talk supports you in your practice. If you'd like to support my teaching, you can use the donate button underneath my picture on Dharma Seed to do that. Your support is greatly appreciated. Well, good morning, everyone. Um, this is exciting for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, been here since the beginning and uh, have led many day longs, uh, but this is the first one here. And uh, I was here on, on Monday night. We had the, a, a big uh, Monday night evening with Ajahn Amaro, and the room was filled, and it was the first time I saw it with all the chairs set up. And uh, yeah, the only response was, wow, you know, which is kind of what we'll be looking at today as well. Wow, <laughs> the magic of awareness. So it's, um, it's great to be here to share the day with you and particularly um, a treat and uh, um, an honor and fun to have first day long that I that I'm here with uh, with Rinpoche. Uh, Anam Tupton Rinpoche and I have uh, been teaching together for a while and, and friends for for a while and uh, it's one of the most uh, cherished friendships that I have. Um, and I and I always uh, both learn from being around him and am inspired and uh, happy. That's, that's one of the main things that happens. I just get happy being around him. So, you know, I like happiness. So um, he's, he's a good uh, source of that. And if you're not familiar with, with Rinpoche, uh, he has um, a, a center in Point Richmond called the Dharmata Foundation, um, and uh, a couple of really excellent books, or maybe is the third one here? It's on the way, yeah. Okay. Well, the first two books I know very well, and I highly recommend um, No Self, No Problem, and uh, The Magic of Awareness, the name for our day long today. And uh, the third, uh, Embracing Every Moment, Embracing each moment. Um, so um, it's just a, a real pleasure to uh, to share the day together. If you want to say hello or um, before we get going, please. Welcome everybody. It's uh, nice to be here. Wonderful temple and uh, sanctuary. Maybe this is one of the most beautiful meditation centers I've ever been. <laughs> I was uh, observing the architecture as well as also the interior design. This place has a sense of sacred. Uh, it's a uh, very beautiful aesthetically not so cluttered with too many forms and images at the same time. And they are 
about the sacred and fields. This is a, a true temple, true sanctuary. I feel extremely honored to have the opportunity to teach at this amazing space with my dear friend James Barris. As he said, I'm always happy to be around him. He's a very good friend of mine in many aspects in a spiritual way. I'm always learning something from him when we get together and also we sometimes eat together and talk many topics. He's a very good person, somebody I regard him as a good friend and also many ways mentor too. I keep learning a lot from him. This must be the fourth or the fifth uh, retreat we led together. Uh, I welcome all of you to to open your heart and to embrace this whole day and to dive into the, the Dharma that we're about to enjoy. You can call it magic of awareness or magic of mindfulness. Uh, looking at the sheet and these uh, are very wonderful topics we are going to uh, work and trying to bring all these wonderful topics into our experience uh, like looking at for example James is going to talk about Emaho how amazing Wonder and all. Thank you for being here. So we thought we'd start today with uh, with sitting together, practicing, and just settling into the space, the silence, connection with ourselves and with each other in the silence. So. Um, I invite you to come to rest in this moment. Nothing to make happen, no agenda, no fixing, no manipulating. Simply to relax and see what's here and be here for this moment of your life. If you like, you can be connected first to your body, feel the amazing fact that you're alive. Let the body both be upright and dignified, awake, and as well, easy and receptive. And you might also connect with the earth. Just let the earth support you. It's here for you. You might take a few deeper breaths as you start, just uh, breathing in a calming energy and let yourself be filled with wakefulness. And as you 
Breathe out, relax and let go. Allow the breath to just find its own rhythm. Let the breath breathe you. Nothing to make happen. And that can be your connection to the present. There's always the fact that you're sitting here alive and breathing. And let the mind be very open and spacious, not needing to push anything away or grasp after anything. Whatever presents itself is included in this awareness that just shines through you, whether it's sounds or sensations or feelings or thoughts coming and going. No need to struggle or have an agenda. Simply open up to this moment Allow it to be how it is and meet it with a relaxed, interested, and kind awareness.
I'll just uh, explain that the day will be a, a combination of some practice uh, and some uh, teachings um, that Rinpoche is going to share, and I'll say a few um, a few things and uh, have some uh, some back and forth as things come up about the the topic. Uh, and now uh, Rinpoche will start with a, a talk on the theme for the day. Good morning, everybody, again. Recently, one of my relatives, a cousin of mine, and his wife have a child, a son, they gave a body as his name. I went there to just offer my gratitude to the universe for such a gift as well as also to congratulate them. You know, body is a Sanskrit word which means enlightenment or awakening. Anyway, I was very interested to be around this newborn child who just came out of the hospital a few days ago. And he sleeps quite a lot, and now and then he kicks his legs, and then he's aware of his... Being and then sometimes uh, it doesn't look like he's aware of his own being. He just uh, goes into some kind of oceanic state of consciousness where he's just one with everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, the point is that it was so nice to see this new born child. In many ways, it made me a little bit nostalgic of a. a past that I had, because once we all were innocent, pure, adorable like him. I do not mean you're not adorable right now. (laughs) Because we can't go back to that very open-hearted, innocent state. uh, Just uh, this is our life continues, goes through different uh, stages. I noticed that one of the reasons that I was so inspired by his uh, presence that uh, there's no ego structure in his consciousness, whereas we all do have a ego structure. There's nothing wrong with developing the ego structure because that's the only way that we can survive in this uh, world. But the problem is that uh, sometimes once the ego structure develops, we tend to lose our connection or touch with uh, this uh, 
egoless, innocent state of who we are. As sometimes we go through our life, our ego structure becomes very complicated. And here we often talk about that uh, there is your true nature, which is of course indescribable, and that is uh, not part of your ego structure. This notion of a true nature is sometimes a little bit uh, difficult to comprehend. It's sometimes it sounds a little bit even abstract. And yet when we come to a place like this, observe silence and cult awareness, uh, amazing opening can take place in our consciousness, through which that we may be able to actually feel, recognize this notion of our true nature, which turned out to be very much uh, the foundation of many great wisdom traditions, like Buddhism and even beyond. In my tradition, we often talk about uh, that there is a the Buddha in each of us, the Tathangatangarbha, the Buddha nature. Then tradition, they often talk about the original face. They're all pointing out there's a true nature of each of us. Perhaps you have a Notice that what is happening on the Bay Bridge last few years. Uh, new bridge is very futuristic and quite uh, nice in many ways. And when you drive on the Bay Bridge, which I do quite a lot, I fly out of San Francisco airport all the time. And these days, when I drive on the, the new, very futuristic-looking bear bridge, I see the, this whole process of the old bridge is uh, just dismantling. The old bridge is extremely complicated, very complex, very industrial. And there are so many components, just uh, perhaps hundred thousand components attachment of uh, that old bridge. It's kind of unbelievable that people were able to put all this attachment together and to create a bridge. I often sometimes use that uh, old bridge as some kind of allegory to portray the human ego. And our ego is extremely complicated. It's a form of a conglomeration. It just builds upon many memory, anxiety, fear, guilt, shame, belief systems. 
But when we are born as my nephew Bodhi, we didn't have that uh, old Burbridge, like this uh, complicated, extremely convoluted ego structure. It's a difficulty to experience our true nature sometimes when we are completely lost in our ego structure. Awareness is a maybe way to open our consciousness and to to feel, to recognize our true nature. And that is a intrinsically awakened, enlightened, free, liberated, also purely innocent. As well as awareness is also our true nature too. The heart of all the teachings and practice that Buddha offered is actually very singular. It all boils down to this awareness. Either you call it mindfulness or insight. And that's why even though I came from tradition where we often talk about awareness, I feel very much in alignment with the, the, the whole teaching on the mindfulness inside. As a matter of fact, this community is called the inside community. That's why I feel that James and I are actually dancing together with the same music all the time. When I teach, there's no really doctrinary contradiction between my tradition and where he's coming from. There's also collective unawareness. I was visiting recently southwest. Uh, I gave a weekend retreat in Santa Fe, and I talked about this uh, collective unawareness. I also said that uh, maybe someday down the road there will be collective awareness rather than collective unawareness. Right now, we are living in a time in human history. Still, we are dealing with this uh, collective unawareness we can see how powerful this force it is, especially times like this, when there's so much turmoil. There are lots of turmoil going on everywhere in the world. War, violence, racial conflict, religious strife, and also, especially in this wonderful country, the United States, we are having the political season right now. The, the political season in this country is actually one of the main source of entertainment for the rest of the world, <laughs> believe it or not. <laughs> when I speak with the people in Tibet, and now and then they would ask me, 
who, who is my political candidate uh, and who is going to win. And they will ask me these questions even five or six months ago when I didn't pay attention to politics here. And they already knew the names of uh, the candidates, which I didn't know. Just like that, uh, whatever is happening in this country, especially in the political arena, is a, a very much a source of a distraction, entertainment. The uh, whole world is a tuning into this, and which we can see why it is, because there's lots of uh, unawareness, and unawareness is extremely entertaining. The unawareness feeds unawareness. Does that make sense? It's so so entertaining to really just tap into this uh, juicy unawareness, full of uh, separation, judgment, uh, hating. So entertaining, so juicy for the collective unawareness. Whereas love and compassion is not really that entertaining <laughs> to the collective awareness. I hope this is making sense. So as a human being, as a part of that the collective awareness, we tend to spend more, much more time. We have actually some kind of attraction to the, all the forces of unawareness, which I already spoke about. Uh, a while ago, somebody said to me that uh, she has uh, some issue in relationship with somebody. This issue is actually a resentment with somebody from her life. She said to me that intellectually she knows that uh, harboring resentment is not uh, healthy. And she sees it's causing a lot of pain in her life. And also sees this is a, just like vicious circle that does not take her anywhere in this life. And yet she has really difficulty to let go of that resentment because uh, there's some kind of weird uh, pleasure in holding on to resentment. And this is actually the force of the unawareness that we may be sometimes uh, hooking into it, and then unawareness feeds unawareness. Unawareness is a very powerful force. It can attract you, it can draw you, it can entice you, it can completely dominate us. So today we all come here to really create basically a sacred container. This is what we are doing. And I want to just let you know that uh, this is a, a work that we all are doing together. It's not like James and I are this kind of supreme guru and you just have to sit here all day and we bless you, we liberate you, we <laughs> transmit some kind of uh, divine initiation, Abhishek, uh, or Shaktipat, uh, or <laughs> This is not what we are going to do. <laughs> if you want that, you can go to Asia. There's a lot of happening right now. 
there are many Buddhist conventions happening in Asia. Usually, thousand, thousand people come together. They sit all day like a divine zombie. <laughs> Can I say that? So this is not a Buddhist convention, so I just want to make sure that uh, that you do have responsibility today. And uh, James and my job is really to 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 be catalyst for the sacred container and also of course to teach. But I see this is a a very precious time for all of us come together and to create a, what I call sacred container. Which means that we all come together with some kind of intention, noble intention to maybe step away from the, our own unawareness. And then when we sit together with that intention, we create actually this amazing sacred container where there's more awareness rather than unawareness. And you may be even feel that uh, somehow there is a finally this uh, awareness of the group, awareness of the fellowship, through which that maybe you feel without too much effort that uh, you begin to wake up inside, you begin to recognize you to nature. You begin to have the, even the this experience of a processing, letting go, and maybe you're able to let go of something today that you have been holding on to. Or maybe you're able to recognize the, this notion you're on to nature. That is a in many ways, indescribable, and that is a basically not so much ruled by the ego structure. There is maybe a place where you can experience being grounded, not being scattered, but being also centered in your being, and place where you feel there is a this inexhaustible source of love, compassion, and the clarity. Uh, what I'm trying to say is uh, just be together. That's all you need to do. Just be with that uh, good intention. And I also invite uh, all of you to hold that intention in order to create this uh, sacred container, the, the collective awareness. And there are many practice methods that help us to tap into our own awareness. By the way, awareness is in many ways already in each of us.
The best way to bring about our own awareness is actually to be in touch with our own body and physical sensations, or to cultivate attention such as a breathing attention. Also, in Yingmar tradition, we use this method, which is an inward attention. You just pause and look at your own mind without any goal, without any ulterior motives, without any kind of preconceived notions about what you're going to do. When you just pause completely, look at your mind, and sometimes there's already awareness. In that moment, this whole vicious circle of unawareness actually stopped from perpetuating. This experience seems to be very ordinary, yet it is extremely profound. Sometimes we also use a little bit of esoteric techniques like exclamation of mantras. Many of you are going to lead, James and I are going to lead a few different methodologies which is already mentioned in the, the schedule like walking meditation, silence, and they all can help us to just step away from the unawareness. James already gave very beautiful meditation guidance in this morning. It's a perfect way to enter our own awareness. What I'm trying to say is that awareness is extremely available. It's always at your disposal. That's why in my lineage, the masters always look at your mind. For a long time, I didn't understand uh, what they're trying to do. It's just a very simple method. If you just pause right now, look at your own mind, there's already the awareness. Unawareness is a place that we are not even aware of what is happening inside us. We're not aware of that uh, there's a force force ruling us all the time. We are constantly ruled by our own 
those psychic forces, fear, anxiety. Perhaps many of you are experiencing a little bit of anxiety, fear, every day in life. Somebody said recently from my retreat, she does not experience anxiety, fear, but she experienced this meaninglessness all the time, like drudgery of everyday life, which is, of course, part of the, again, unawareness. Somebody said that human beings are wasting their mind in those three places, on those three mental states, thinking, worrying, and concerning. Obviously, we are always thinking, and we are always concerning too. Maybe we might like to use this concept and to find out whether we may have this tendency to be lost most of some of those three mental states. Let's not get into worrying and concerning. Let's talk about thinking. Are we thinking all the time? Usually we are always thinking. There's nothing wrong with the thinking, but the problem is that we tend to believe almost every thought that pop up in our mind, as long as we are part of the unawareness. You see that we are always believing every thought that arise in our mind, and basically we are believing our mind constantly. There is so much liberation. And some kind of magic when you take moment to, and to stop believing your mind. In the realm of awareness, we can stop believing our own mind. And then we can stop perpetuating all our mental this unconscious patterns, such as anxiety, judgment, fear. James is going to talk uh, mm, Emma how, how amazing wonder. I think
think once we have the awareness, then we can we can be amazed by the existence each moment. Uh, it's very nice. Uh, very nice. How do you say? Lay out this program. Now I'll hmm. ask you to teach it. Okay, I'll just speak for a little while. Um, and I love how you started out with um, the the newborn uh, baby. Is that that really? Uh, for me, is uh, is an essence of <clears throat> tuning into this magic uh, of awareness. I'm remembering uh, the line from uh, from the Bible. Jesus is saying something that unless you be converted as children, you won't know the kingdom of heaven. And we're very good at figuring things out, or at least we try to figure things out and solve our problems and get into concerning and worrying. Uh, but to go underneath that, beyond, uh, beneath the, the conceptual thought to uh, the essence of where it all comes from, this sometimes isn't so easy to do. I was with a the baby. There were, it was a, um, <clears throat> an event here yesterday, a lovely event, and there were lots of of children as well, and a newborn baby, and just seeing the innocence of it, of that baby. <clears throat> and we are all that baby, and we all come into that this world with this wide-eyed um, curiosity. Uh, and um, delight in connecting with the life around us. Uh, I, I have a birthday card uh, at home that I've never sent out because uh, I love it so much. And it's a, an, an infant who is holding uh, a booger uh, right from his nose, completely mesmerized, almost cross-eyed, you know, and looking at it. And you open it up and it says, um, you always were easy to entertain. Happy, happy birthday. <laughs> Just that sense of wonder. Uh, for me, which is also one of the um, seven factors of awakening, investigation. Just a kind of curiosity, a natural curiosity that, that we have that just loves to learn and loves to connect and feel aliveness. Uh, if we can come back to that basic and then use all the awareness and the discernment and discriminating wisdom and um, uh, complexities of, of nuances and, and, and sophisticated thinking, critical thinking, to respond wisely, but to see underneath it, it's all just, just a game. It's all just 
uh, a, a game of, of playing James or Rinpoche or who, whoever uh, you are and just life moving through you, uh, then we can return to the root, as, as one teaching says. There's a, just thinking of another uh, wonderful teaching, the, the verses of the faith mind by uh, the third Zen patriarch, where he says, Stop talking and thinking, and there's nothing you'll not be able to know. And it often works that way, doesn't it? Where when you let go of knowing and figuring out, the answers get made, this, that get, get clear. That's why this is sometimes called insight meditation. Insights do happen from time to time, but usually not because you're trying to think your way through. It's because there's enough space in the mind for clarity to shine through. So the, the challenge isn't how brilliant can you, uh, can you solve the problem and, and, and think your way through, but can you get out of the way to let the, the natural wisdom shine through you? And that sense of wonder uh, is, is so... Uh, rich and and vital, and the essence of of returning to the root in that way. Wanted to share with you a, a wonderful Tibetan teaching from um, the flight of the Garuda, one of the most brilliant uh, expressions of Dharma, and it starts out. As Rinpoche said, all of these um, songs uh, from from this teaching start out with the word emaho, E-M-A-H-O, exclamation mark, emaho, which means uh, how marvelous or how amazing. And this is uh, the first of the songs in the flight of the Garuda. Emaho. I, the untroubled and carefree renunciate, will now sing this song about this view entitled The Flight of the Garuda. It enables one to swiftly traverse all the levels and the paths. Listen carefully, fortunate children of my heart. You can see he he starts right from the beginning. Oh, be a child as you listen to this. Listen carefully, fortunate children of my heart. In both samsara and nirvana, the renown of the enlightened state is widely heard like thunder throughout the sky. As the enlightened state always remains within the minds of all beings, how amazing that one is never separate from it for even an instant. Not knowing that the state is within oneself, how amazing that one searches for it elsewhere. Although it clearly manifests like the radiant disk of the sun, how amazing that so few see it. No matter how much happiness and sorrow that is experienced, how amazing 
that it is neither impaired nor improved, even in the slightest. How amazing that without being fabricated, this mind which is unborn and primordially pure is spontaneously present from the beginning. This self-awareness is naturally free from the very first. How amazing that it is liberated by just resting at ease in whatever happens. Simple, isn't it? Not easy, but simple when we let go of all the trying and agendas and figuring out this awareness has been here all the time. And it is not even something that you can take ownership of. You can't say, or maybe you can, but I don't think it makes sense to say, my pure awareness is better than your pure awareness. <laughs> it's, did you make it happen? If you're, if you're looking up here at the stage and see these, these two forms, and if your eyes are working, can you not see? Can you turn off your awareness? You can't. If you can, let me know. But, but you can't. Can you, if your ears are working, can you not hear these words? Can you stop your awareness from just automatically connecting and knowing you can't it just shines through you can you stop your mind maybe for moments stopping your mind from creating but generally it just does what it does and it's not a problem it's not wrong it's not Right? It just is. It's the way it is. The, the eye sees, the ears hear, the mind thinks, the body senses, and there's an awareness that knows all the time. Isn't that amazing? How did that happen? It just kind of comes with the package You've taken form, or one way I think of it, life has taken form through you, manifesting just as you, uniquely, never been that way before, and yet it's sparked with this awareness that knows itself. It's one of the amazing things about being born in this human form, that not only does this awareness register the outside world, but it can know itself. You can know that awareness is knowing. Emaho, how amazing. So when I tune into that aspect of this magic of awareness. There's a kind of real freedom that comes with 
not having to figure anything out and not having to either make it better or diminish it so that it doesn't seem too bloated compared to others. It just is. To just, and to just celebrate the uniqueness as it shines through you while seeing it's not yours to begin with. How, what a, what a beautiful dance to celebrate the perfection, the perfect expression of life that's never been here before, that's just you, and to not take it personally and just see and have the response, oh, thank you. So out of that, that awe, there's a natural feeling of gratitude that, um, that is an obvious response. And that's where the, the magic comes in. The magic that you first have this awareness to begin with or have this expression of life to begin with and the magic how it can it can open up the heart how the heart can be open and know itself and feel a connection with all of life and feel a gratitude a grace for somehow life taking form in this being. And then from that place of celebration and gratitude and, um, and love and wonder, then we can get into the, the details of life and address the dukkha address the sorrow, address the pain, address the ignorance and the confusion, and respond in a, in a wise way, but not from fear, not from despair, but just to see, oh, this is the, the curriculum we're given to wake up, to wake up in this life which includes sorrow and joy and pain and beauty and from the space of awareness awareness doesn't care awareness doesn't care it's all part of the play That's a big one, that awareness doesn't care. Of course the heart cares. Of course the heart can be torn and can be uh, saddened and experience real uh, dukkha and pain and sorrow. But from the bigger picture, awareness doesn't care. It's just life expressing itself and Every moment counts when we 
tune into that bigger picture. Oh, this is, this is what refuge in the Dharma means. Saying, life is giving me what I need to wake up in every single moment. And awareness can, can hold it all. So as we go through our, our day here together, um, I just invite us all to, to keep that perspective in mind. How amazing, how amazing that we not only have taken form, but that we've all also been touched by the Dharma and have been so fortunate, emaho, fortunate heart children that we all are and that we can come here together to um, explore and open to the truth and support each other in that and grow in, in wisdom and love and clarity and wonder. So we, uh, before we do a uh, a walking uh, period, uh, we thought we'd have a few uh, minutes. If there's any um, questions or comments uh, that that have come from what Rinpoche or I have said so far. Uh, and there's a, we have some microphones here. Don't feel you need to come up with something brilliant, just uh, if something is bubbling through, put it right next to your mouth at a, uh, like an ice cream cone. Yeah. Uh, good morning, thank you for your teaching. Um, so one thing that I struggle with is in this collective unawareness that we bump into outside, um, what is, how to be compassionate when faced with the unawareness? How not to add to the unawareness? Mm. How to be compassionate when faced with the unawareness. Well, won't you, don't, don't uh, here, give it back. Yeah. Let me ask you, in your wisest moments, how do you find a skillful response to the unawareness? I think I mostly have unskillful responses. Mm-hmm. That, um, I, can, I can relate to that too. But in your um, wisest silent, moments... Yeah. Well, mostly silence I find the most helpful. But I wondered if there's some other approaches... Mm-hmm. Perhaps there are many, depending on the situation. And if well, have you when you look at your own mind, have you seen at times unawareness? Of course, <laughs> many, many, many times, all the time, often, frequently, <laughs> in and out. <laughs> well, therein is the is the key. Uh, because the, the 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 often the response is, why don't they get it? You know, how can they be? You know, I can't believe they think 
that, particularly as Rinpoche talks about in this political season, whatever your, your thoughts are. I can't believe it. Have you ever had a thought like that? <laughs> what? Why? How? And we somehow are walking around in our own reality just sure that we have the truth uh, when sometimes we can be humbled often again and again. And I think that's one of the main gifts of meditation practice. As humbling as it is to see how your mind gets caught and confused, it connects you with everyone. And so when you see unawareness outside, I think it's helpful to remember how easily it can get triggered inside so that there's a a real humility. I think humility is the key. You know, although being humbled isn't fun, um, and I wouldn't recommend it as a steady diet to go through life, (laughs) but being humbled every now and then is a very valuable, important thing to see, oh, I know what it's like to be so confused. And that gives rise to compassion. And when once there's compassion, you know, it's it's like Jesus I one of the highest teachings I know, Jesus on the cross saying, Forgive them, they know not what they do. Even though you might think, of course they know what they do, but on a deeper level they don't know what they do, because if they knew if they knew what led to real happiness and peace and internal harmony, they wouldn't cause suffering. But they don't know. So they're just, that's where ignorance is not a dirty word in Buddha Dharma. It's just not seeing clearly. So every time you don't see clearly can really be a springboard for compassion for others. And, when, and I find that when I can respond with compassion, not necessarily trying to fix, but not necessarily being a doormat and saying, oh, everything is cool, but sometimes having fierce compassion and doing what needs to be done in a very strong way, but from a compassionate place, there's not that sense of separation. Then we're all in it together and we're all just helping each other wake up. Thank you. That that something something happened inside as you spoke that helped. Thank oh, you. Good, good. Then I'm I, that I'm not saying something that you don't already know deep inside of you. It's just kind of remembering and seeing. Oh yeah, that that's where the wisdom is. Anything else? You hear me okay? Mm-hmm. It's especially important to me what you're saying today. Something I've not shared with many people, just my son. Put it right next to, like, on Is a, that better? That's much okay. better. Okay. Yeah. 
the things you're saying today are of special importance to me because of a memory I have. Uh, I actually remember my first conscious thought in blackness. I remember a voice saying, I have always been, now it is your turn. I have always been. I have always been, and now it is your turn. And now it is your turn. And I remember being in the womb. I didn't know where I was, of course. I'm looking back now and saying that. And I remember the first sensation I had was hearing sound. And I remember being born. I remember being introduced to light. And those memories are especially important to me as I sit here today because awareness began for me that way, and I remember it. Mm. Now, I'm thinking I need to do more with my awareness. Thank you. Thank you. Just keep remembering that. Okay, so um, we'll have a walking meditation, uh, and we'll we'll walk for a half an hour. It's a lovely day out in nature, um, and if your mind, if you haven't done much walking meditation before, and you're saying, "Oh, well, what's next?" After um, this is it. Okay. There's there's a, a famous Zen Zen uh, cartoon where there's a, a an abbot and a and a new um, a new practitioner and the new practitioner the uh, or not the abbot uh, a um, an experienced practitioner is sitting like a like a, a rock and the the new new guy is looking at the at the doorway. And the experienced practitioner says, nothing happens next. This is it. (laughs) And in the same way, when you're about to do the walking meditation, so rather than, okay, well, when will I get through this walking meditation and I wonder what the day is going to be like and all of that, this is where you bring uh, the magic of awareness in Emaho. And just um, let yourself enjoy being alive, walking on the earth. As Thich Nhat Hanh says, the real miracle is just walking on the earth. You don't have to try to walk on water. You're alive and here. Uh, And if you like to go for walks in your life, you might just check out and see why you like to walk. Just be a... You know, be that child that's that's one that is in wonder. What do you like about walking? What is your actual experience right now in walking? And your if your mind travels to the past or future, which undoubtedly it will, whenever you realize that you've been gone, no judgment at all. It's just what minds do. Don't don't take it personally just to realize, oh, 
life is happening right now. Let me be here for this moment of my life. Have that kind of um, childlike wonder that sees what it's like to take a step and touch it or to feel the breeze on your, on your cheek or to smell the bay leaves or whatever it is, here's a chance where you don't have to fill your time with email or responsibilities or any other task than to be present for your life and be present for this moment of, of what life is offering you. Okay, so some people are familiar with doing the walking, maybe finding 20 or 30 or 40 paces back and forth. Um, others uh, might just want to go for a mindful walk uh, without, a, without the to and fro. Um, some people like going very slowly because when they go slowly, you can see more in each step. Some people like to go at a more natural pace because it feels alive. There's no right or wrong. This isn't a slow walking contest. Uh, You don't have to compare with people around you. Just, um, Just let yourself enjoy the experience of walking and be as present as you can for it. Make it like a game. I I like to have practice done in a spirit of a game that you can't fail. It's just the awareness game. Oh, I was gone. Oh, great, I'm here again. And the way you bring yourself back is the key to the whole experience. If you bring it back with frustration and judgment, oh, there I am blowing it again, you're just cultivating judgment, frustration, discouragement. Oh, I'm such a pathetic meditator. You don't get extra credit for, for beating yourself up. But if you just see, oh, wow, I was gone, and here I am, emaho, how great, here I am again, and bring your ba- yourself back with love and patience and kindness and just the... Um, chance to be here once again. That's what you're cultivating every time you see you've gone. Oh, I can come back with kindness and presence. So enjoy your walking and uh, we'll ring a bell um, a bit uh, before and coming back for the next sitting. And we do recommend that you you take this in silence, that this is a, a time for you to be with yourself and connect with life um, in, in that way. Okay? Thank you. Just before 11 there. So we'll be coming back just around 11.30 and you'll hear the bell.
So we'll sit again uh, for about 20, 25 minutes or so. And once again, um, just allowing the moment to be as it is. No need to create any experience. No need to fix or manipulate. Just let the awareness open up to what's here right now. you like, you can experiment with that attitude of emaho, of wonder. Just being like a a child, taking your first breath. Or as you hear sounds, just noticing the experience of hearing. Feeling sensations. Or knowing feelings, emotions, if they arise. We're noticing thoughts coming and going. Along with all of these things, the breath or sensations or sounds or thoughts or feelings, there's an awareness that knows this experience. And you might, from time to time, just tune into the awareness that knows. You can't catch it. You just perhaps can sense it. There's the experience and the knowing of this experience. The best way to sense it is to just relax deeply and open to the awareness that shines through you. No figuring out, straining, just knowing what's happening now and opening to it with a very kind and interested, relaxed awareness. The mind gets lost, no problem at all. Just another opportunity to come back into this moment and open to it as it is.
Notice what's happening right now. Open to it with a kind, interested, relaxed awareness.
Welcome everyone again. James, I have been teaching this very topic, the major awareness, and also other subtopics last few years, such as uh, relaxing the mind. Even though it's the same topic, every time when we come back, we have a new ways of uh, teaching the same topic. Maybe slightly different method that we will share with all of you. Suppose we can talk about how to relax the mind by pointing out many traditional meditative methods that we can pull from the Buddhist uh, traditions. And this uh, time I'm going to talk about uh, relaxing one's mind by giving rise to the joy. And joy is uh, indeed very much a big part of the Buddhist uh, practice. Sometimes we have uh, verses that we recite in order to bring about a joy right now in our heart. Just a few nights ago, we all sat together in Santa Fe and we sing uh, songs, I actually chanted this verse from the Shantideva's text. It's a verse on giving rise to the joy. This verse has a very kind of optimistic point of view about your life and your journey and so forth. Once we chanted that verse, I felt some kind of joy. And also, sometimes we use very simple things like uh, uh, visualizations, looking at the image of the Buddha in order to ignite joy. When I was young, I was learning how to do the Tanka painting, the sacred painting. Uh, with a uh, wonderful teacher, Lama Tsarlov. That's how I end up connecting with him, later he became one of my main spiritual teachers. In the beginning, he was teaching how to do tanka painting. I went to take the course. First, he taught how to draw the eyes of the Buddha, then ears, and then the whole face, he said, make sure that you put a little bit of smile on the Buddha's face. I was having a very difficulty to make the Buddha's face a happy or joyous face. Then one day I was walking towards his place with this board. We usually 
draw everything on the board, ran into one of the old lamas. He looked at my jaw and said, there's no smile on the Buddha's face. <laughs> this Buddha's face looks extremely unhappy. <laughs> I was kind of sh- sharp. I had a sharp tongue at that time, way more than these days. I said, how can Buddha be happy and smiling when he sees the whole world is in a state of suffering? And this Lama got a little bit upset and uh, just uh, left me alone. <laughs> that was the end of our conversation. <laughs> of course, we can be always uh, happy by thinking that everything's just uh, beautiful and perfect. Uh, Sometimes we need to open our heart and to recognize the pain, suffering that exists in this human world. We can't just always be ecstatic, bust out, and being lost in some kind of beautiful spiritual experience all the time. Yet when we feel joy, our mind becomes naturally relaxed. That's why personally I use some very simple method in my everyday life. Of course, meditation. Sometimes I use mantras, not as some kind of religious incantation. It's more like a song that relaxes my mind. I sing a very simple mantras. I have been indeed composing those uh, melodies for different uh, mantras. If you have a chance, we can try one of the mantras uh, sometime today. And then I also recite periodically these traditional verses that have a very beautiful message. Maybe talk about how precious, how beautiful this human life is, how wonderful this existence is, how sacred this uh, existence is. And sometimes I recite verses that remind me of some wholesome, wonderful state of my mind, a gratitude, kindness love, opinion, because these are all our states of mind that we can all experience if we have the willingness. And you know when you feel gratitude or joy, kindness, your mind naturally relaxes. Today is indeed quite important today for many People. Actually, this whole month is a quite important uh, month in the Buddhist tradition. A Tibetan community invited me to do, to give a little bit of speech as a way of honoring the Buddha and his enlightened activities. And then I didn't have a chance to attend that uh, 
gathering because I am scheduled to teach uh, one of my friends, uh, another Lama. Some of you know him, went there to give a uh, talk. Anyway, I was uh, in the beginning reading a little about the life of Buddha last few months to really know more about Buddha's life. It's kind of fascinating to reread again life of Buddha from different traditions, Tibetan tradition, Theravada tradition, and so forth. And somehow I came across one of the simple act of Buddha. It wasn't like big act. The big act Buddha did like some kind of 12, 12 grade deeds and some of them are very uh, how do you say mind blowing. They are difficult to relate it to. But there's one simple deed Buddha did. It's, it, it wasn't one of the 12 grade deeds. I read sometimes the 12 grade Deeds. Actually, I chant these hymns to the Buddha every time when I offer this ordination known as a refuge ceremony. I just chant. Sometimes I connect to Buddha's 12 great deeds. Other times I don't connect with those great 12 deeds. Like the conquering force of Mara, turning of Dharma, sometimes they're too big for my mind. I can't really capture as an ordinary human being. But anyway, this act that I read somewhere, I have no idea how authentic it is. It was that when Buddha became enlightened under the Bodhi tree, he came out and he stood in front of the tree for quite a long time. And perhaps he expressed his uh, deep gratitude to that tree for protecting him from sun, from wind, from rain, and so forth. When I read that, I experienced some kind of gratitude in my life and thought so many ways that we can cultivate gratitude every day. If Buddha can feel such profound gratitude to that tree, we can wake up early morning and cultivate gratitude to the universe, to oneself, to our loved ones, and to the beautiful weather, to the all the kindness and benevolence that exists in the world. We can be even a gratitude to our own body, our own breath our friendship. But we can be extremely thankful that we are living in a very beautiful parts of the world. We have enough food to eat. We can walk. There are many people who can't walk right now. When you feel gratitude, your mind relaxes naturally. Can you feel it right now? Or when you meditate on the loving kindness, it relaxes your mind right there. Longchenpa, one of the Dzogchen masters, often talk about meditation as indeed a relaxation of the mind. He uses the Tibetan word nalso. Nalso means 
take a break, to rest or to relax. He often said meditation is simply relaxing your mind. Relaxing your mind and it is a natural state. Let me recite a verse from one of his uh, Doha songs of realization. This verse is uh, pretty much uh, the quintessence of uh, his entire teaching on the meditation, awareness, and so forth. Sometimes we recite this verse as a meditation guidance. Actually, the way James gave uh, the first meditation guidance is very much in alignment with uh, the verse of Longchen, but that I'm going to recite. He said, don't manipulate, don't manipulate your mind. Don't grasp, don't grasp at your mind. The more you manipulate, the more you grasp at your mind, the essential meaning will be obscured. And I'm not making this thing up. <laughs> Maybe I should recite this in Tibetan so you know I'm not just making this up. Mapju, Mapju, Rangasem, Mapju, Manzan, Manzan, Rangasem, Manzan, Juhang, Juhang, Semjin, Yolang, Pip, Jimmy, Tonji, Jimmy, Semjin, Yolang, Means that what he's really trying to say is in this verse is a relax your mind. That's what he's trying to say. He said, don't do anything. That's what really meditation is in the ultimate sense. By the way, there are, of course, uh, something like 84,000 meditations. (laughs) And yet we can say, and there are two different kinds of meditations. There's awareness, which we are practicing, and there's sometimes more like single-pointed meditative absorption, which we are not uh, practicing. And that has to do with like deep concentration on a particular object, like breath, or mantra, or, or some uh, sacred image that you visualize in your mind, or sometimes you can even focus on a syllable, like written syllable for months and months, as a single-pointed uh, concentration on samadhi, which can be very powerful meditation to break our habitual tendencies. But yet, what we are really doing here is not so much a single-pointed concentration or the meditative absorption. Instead, this is a awareness practice. Awareness is very much taught in the of course, the lineage of mindfulness, as well as also in the Dzogchen tradition. So here, launching by the saying that awareness is all about relaxing your mind. That means when we meditate, we're not supposed to do anything in ultimate sense. The Some of the Dzogchen masters said that uh, when you meditate, let go of these two efforts, these two dualistic efforts in Tibetan, Gakpa and the Dapa. Gak means rejecting. 
Dupa means uh, affirming or holding. So when we meditate, don't do anything right now. Just keep opening your heart. Thoughts, feelings, emotions arise and they do their own dance and then they go away on their own. As a meditator, we can just open our heart and let all of them arise and pass through us. Not to try to hold on to any of them and not try to reject any of them. Because the moment you try to hold on to your experience, or if you try to reject, your mind is no longer relaxed. Your mind is now in the state of a struggle. Sometimes you may not have discovered that your mind is in a state of a struggle because the struggle can be quite subtle. Well, let's talk about just relaxing mind. So, also we use this expression, tamarjishipa means uh, present mind. This is quite an important point. Tamarjishipa means ordinary mind. Some of the traditions say meditate instead in the Buddha mind, but in the ordinary mind. This sounds quite interesting. Personally, I found this is a much more easy something you can relate it to. If somebody tells you meditate in the Buddha mind, we may not have any idea what the Buddha mind is. During the walk and meditation, I went to upstairs and I just fumbled through this wonderful book. It's a poetry book written by this female mystic, I believe from 14th century, Indian female mystic, her name is Lala. Sometimes I just fumble through those sacred texts and to get inspiration for my talk. And I opened it and she said, meditate in the soul. I thought, oh, maybe I'm going to talk about this meditator in the soul. But then I realized I had no idea what the soul is. <laughs> so finally I just let go of that. Even though sound really beautiful, the idea of meditating in the soul or on the soul. First I thought, this is going to be a really nice topic. Because perhaps you're all tired meditating in your ordinary mind or the unawareness, because this is what we do, right? We always meditating. Usually we're meditating in the realm of unawareness and thoughts and uh, always meditating. Meditating what we're going to eat, what we're going to wear, meditating how much money we have uh, in the bank, meditating the future, meditating, ruminating the past. Actually, we are always meditating in some way. And so I changed my mind. In the same way, if I tell you meditate on Buddha mind, what is actually the Buddha mind? Even though it sounds really spiritual, and very holy. 
So the idea of meditating in the Tamarjishiba ordinary mind is actually that you don't have to do anything. The ordinary mind is already here right now. You just pause right now without trying to manipulate your experiences, your present experiences. If you pause and look at this mind, this mind right now is the ordinary mind. You don't have to manufacture any kind of special experiences. You don't have to change what you're going through right now. You don't have to transcend. You don't have to alter this very present of your mind. Just leave this present mind as it is completely and then relax in it. And sometimes, uh, don't worry if you can relax your mind. That's okay too. You actually cannot force to relax your mind. Even though the relaxation mind is very beautiful, it's this feeling that you have no more fear, You have no more resistance. You're not troubled by worry or some fear. You're completely in harmony with that moment, with the life, with existence. Feeling that you're spontaneous, carefree. Nothing is haunting you in your mind. You feel that Basically, you're in harmony with everything, with life, with each moment. That's what the experience of a relaxation of a mind is. We already know how to relax our mind. That's the wonderful news. There's a natural intelligence in each of us. In some of the traditions in India, Buddhism as well as in other traditions, they often use this notion, Sahanjanjana means inborn wisdom in Tibetan language, Gibeyeshi. They say that inborn wisdom is indeed the highest wisdom that one can experience. It's much more profound than any wisdom, any knowledge that you can accumulate from reading, from studying. So there is some kind of intelligence, wisdom in all of us that literally surpasses all the wisdom, knowledge that we can learn and study through our intellect, from reading books or listening to teachings or even spiritual teachings too. And that inborn wisdom is the wisdom eventually that liberates us, that sets us free. 
That is like uh, also other extraordinary qualities that we possess as human beings. There's a courage in each of us, true, in the same way. There's love in each of us. There's compassion in each of us. That's why if I say relax, man, you already know how to do that. This is why meditation guidance works. Just let me repeat this um, this phrase. Relax your mind. Can you feel it? You're already relaxing your mind. Relax your mind. Like physical therapist might say, relax your muscles. Relax your body. Just like that. Here I'm saying... Relax your mind. You know how to do it? You already know how to do it. Relax your mind. There's already intelligence in Shabbat. Inborn wisdom that knows how to relax our mind. And that knows how to be awakened in this moment by itself on its own. Now and then all we need is just a little bit of reminder. When I offer meditation guidance, most of the time I tell people I'm not really teaching. I'm just uh, reminding you something that you already know. Especially when you have a group of uh, well-seasoned meditators, uh, I always tell them I'm not really teaching you anything. Sometimes I have this kind of strange experience uh, when I offer meditation guidance. There will be a group of people who are well meditators, and then I'm telling them, have your back straight, relax your shoulders. Perhaps they have heard those instructions a hundred times. And I tell them, I'm not really teaching anything that you haven't heard. I'm simply reminding you that you already know. But somehow we need to be reminded all the time. And that's all I need to do right now. It's just to remind you to relax your mind. Keep relaxing your mind. And if you feel you can relax, that's uh, even better.
just be with that. And then sooner or later, you feel that your mind is relaxed. When you are relaxing completely your mind, then you may actually wake up, you may come across an extraordinary, very profound realization that you are not even expecting. Actually, when you totally relax your mind, you experience there's a this uh, profound uh, thing called in uh, many of the non-conceptual traditions abiding in the great non-abiding. I know this sounds a little bit uh, strange. Let me say abiding in the great non-abiding. Mangnipa Chimbula Nipa. Mangnipa means not abiding or non abiding. Chimbula means great, Nipa means to abide. In another word, resting in the great non abiding. Means that when you totally relax, completely relax your mind, you or your mind are no longer abiding on anything, anything that is a particular such as a thoughts or feeling or emotion or sense of self. And the question is that where are you totally relaxed upon? Can you find any kind of ground or foundation inside inside yourself that is you're totally relaxed upon? Can you find anything? You completely relax your mind. And that foundationlessness, the sense that you are relaxed, but you are not relaxed upon anything, this sense of that resting on no ground inside yourself is actually your trinity. That no ground, no foundation inside yourself is your trinity. Because it's not a thought, it's not a feeling, it's not a anything that you can name, it's not even soul, it's not your true self. Your true nature is always actually waiting for you to be recognized because somewhere how simple it is to figure out this secret, the art of relaxation, relaxing your mind. Because the moment you really know how to relax your mind, what you're going to discover is not just a pure joy, but you're going to discover that you are abiding in your true nature. <clears throat> when I'm conditioned, 
much gratitude. Uh, let you see her, please. So, uh, again, some follow-up words. Um, it's, it's so supportive when, when you hear um, a wise being speaking, speaking from the heart with such a... Um, a loving, calming voice, just reminding you, oh, relax your mind. You know, that I could feel myself relaxing and everybody in the room, or it seemed like most of us, just sharing that space of stillness and ease. <clears throat> it seems so available and it is available. Um, and yet, um, at other times, it's it's not quite so available. Have you noticed? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when you're here and you hear Rinpoche say, "Just relax your mind." Oh, yeah. Thank you for reminding me. Yeah. Will you follow me in my ear where, wherever I go? Uh, and there are times when you might know that. You might remember being here on a Saturday, on a day like today, and know, oh, all I have to do is just relax my mind. But gosh, it sure is hard right now as I'm having my meltdown, or I'm lost in worry or fear, or wanting, or confusion, or self-judgment. And 
all I need to do is just relax my mind. But it's not so accessible. So I wanted to talk just a, a little bit about, about that and about that um, realistic and um, ready invitation. You know, uh, you know the old party favors where uh, the finger puzzle and you stick your fingers in and just, I just can't get it out. And when you stop trying so hard, and there it is, so easy for the fingers to come out. So that, that's, the, uh, that's the trick to not try so hard to relax your mind. Because the more you try to relax it, uh, the very effort and the frustration that comes uh, just works against you. So one of the um, aspects of the magic of awareness is realizing you don't have to fix anything. And when there's confusion or fear or worry or doubt or anger or smallness all of those things that we have such a a hard time working with dealing with thinking that we need to somehow conquer or overcome The magic of awareness, as I said a little bit earlier, is awareness doesn't care. And that you don't have to get rid of anything. It's just part of being human. And instead of thinking, I have this problem. How can I fix this problem and be spiritual again? Or be peaceful again where you say I know I'm stuck but I still can't get out you know that's a very painful place to be and I've seen in my own practice and I've seen in many people's practice that in a moment of allowing for all of that as well in a moment of just opening up to your humanness and not trying to be anywhere other than where you are, but somehow holding it with that kind awareness, holding it with a compassionate awareness that's not trying to fix anything, and that can see, oh, this is just confused Buddha. This is angry Buddha or jealous Buddha or wherever you happen to be, that we can 
be the awareness that can hold it all. And as, as soon as you let go of the project and just honor what's here, as soon as you get just a little bit of space around the drama that realizes, ah, just another experience of being human, just a, a deepening of my compassion for the human condition, just an, an, a, a deeper understanding of this mind that we all share, then we can relax about being caught. We don't have to make it a problem to be caught. We can feel that um, genuine humility, I mentioned earlier, humility is a, a, a very powerful doorway to confidence and trust because it's not trying to be anything other than what we are and the awareness can hold that too. This is a a great relief and a great um, gift of awareness Like I said earlier, awareness doesn't care. And you don't have to be anywhere other than where you are if particularly you can remember the bigger picture. This is a, I'm just leading this this drama, this life called James or Rinpoche or whatever. And there's nothing wasted. There's no moment wasted if it's all just part of helping us wake up. What a relief. Nothing to fix. Just to honor and hold with love and open to um, the mystery of it all. Because we can't figure it out. Have you noticed? As soon as you think, oh, I figured it out, the universe comes along and kind of bops you on the head and said, says, oh yeah? Try this one on for size. So I want to actually um, uh, uh, close with something uh, a little bit different, and I, don't, I didn't tell Rinpoche I was going to do this. Uh, I'm going to uh, share with you Uh, My favorite Dharma talk. It's not going to be me. Um, In a moment, you'll hear it through the through the speakers. It's three minutes and forty-two seconds. I've played it probably thousands of times. Mm. So uh, I just invite you to um, relax and. uh, hear this uh, this teaching. It's got a little corny music in the background. Just let go of that and open up to uh, uh, to what for me is the essence of relaxing the mind and 
uh, opening and letting go of knowing. So, please.
Just remembering, feeling, and loving the mystery right now. Any announcements, Mark, that uh, we'll be back at two? Yes, uh, enjoy your lunch. Uh, just a little extra credit assignment. Taste it. <laughs> and uh, as you are, uh, you might tune in from time to time to the awareness that knows it all and not try to figure anything out. When you're finding yourself getting spun out in whatever story you're dealing with in your life, um, you know, whatever the top ten tunes are, uh, just come back and and be the awareness that is um, noticing the whole show. So we'll see you again at two. Thank you. So uh, if everybody will come back here together, hope you tasted your lunch. How many people did consciously actually taste their lunch? Some of it. Oh, good. Some of it. It, it, You know, a bite or two is probably more than what you usually uh, experience. Why not be here for something that tastes good? That you picked, probably. <clears throat> so uh, we'll start out this afternoon with um, with a bit more practice. Um, we'll sit for a half an hour, uh, and then a bit more sharing, and then more walking and, and sitting. Um, want to. Mention, I'll mention that later. Uh, Want to do a bit of a a guided practice for part of this sitting, and then we'll open up to the silence. A practice that I really um, love and appreciate. That um, I first 
I heard from Joseph Goldstein, who's my uh, main teacher, uh, that he adapted from um, a Tibetan practice, from a Tibetan book of uh, Great Liberation, um, I think it was. And it's, it's pointing to this awareness that holds everything. So um, I just invite you to relax, become still, just work with stillness, not forced, not stiff, just a relaxed stillness. You can be comfortable. And begin by just listening to sounds, opening up to the ear door, sound of my voice, sounds in the room, time to time, the sound of the bell. Let the mind be open, wide, clear, like the sky. Reaching towards or away from, letting sounds appear and disappear in the vast sky of the mind. arising and passing. Peace of mind.
Now become aware of sensations as points of feeling, like stars in the night sky. head, no shoulders, no back, arms, legs, only points of sensation like stars in the night sky. Inside, no outside, boundaries or separations, only sounds and sensations arising and passing in the open space of the mind. the mind soft, steady, perfectly still, sounds and sensations to appear and disappear in the open stillness of mind. Now become aware of thoughts, images like clouds passing through the sky, roots, no home, rising, vanishing in the open sky of mind.
Let the mind be soft and steady, perfectly still. No reaching out or moving away from any experience, everything arising and passing on its own in the open space. Look directly at the nature of mind. The mind is clear, invisible, like empty space. Without color or form, Containing all things, but not composed of them. Look directly. Inside, no outside. Sounds, points of sensation, thoughts like clouds, all arising and passing. without the slightest movement towards or away from any object.
Everything arising and passing on its own in the great space of awareness. Moving towards or away from the open space of mind. the mind be soft and steady, perfectly still. No resistance. Allowing all experience to appear and disappear in the open stillness of mind.
So, I hope you got some sense of just another way to um, to relate to the awareness um, as a as a meditation um, object or aspect. <clears throat> By the way, if you're interested in the Dharma Seed uh, website catalog, um, Joseph has a number of uh, versions of that big mind meditation. <clears throat> And uh, it's a it's a whole other way to to do it. Where instead of focusing on objects, that we see the space in which they occur. Here's a, a little uh, little exercise. Take your hand uh, and put it in front of you and um, open it wide. And uh, tell me what you see. What do you see? Say a, a few uh, a few responses. I'll take lines. lines. What else do you see? Color. Color. Uh huh. What is it? Lines. Fingers. Yeah. All of those things. Now, just a little shift of perspective and take a look and see space with a hand in it. We usually miss the space because we're so used to focusing on the objects. This is kind of seeing in that same way. There's Everything is coming and arising and, uh, and passing within the space of awareness. So in that that last little uh, practice period, uh, perhaps you can get a sense also where you don't have to be reaching towards things, grasping them, or pushing them away. You can just be the space of awareness and everything is just arising on its own. Not that you are the awareness, but that awareness is holding it all. Does that make sense? And there's a kind of freedom in that. That's where it comes back to awareness doesn't care. Uh, it's all just coming and going. Um, so I'm, I'm going to talk a little bit now, and then Rinpoche will, will be sharing um, another aspect of awareness. And I think I want to um, stretch things a bit and have us do another experiential uh, exercise in this. Uh, It's said, especially in in Tibetan teachings, that um, mm, awareness is empty, like that big sky, that big space of mind. It's empty, it's Wakeful, it's cognizant, there's something that knows. It's not just space, there's a knowing in that space. And it is also said to be ceaselessly responsive, 
where there's a, a connection to everything. <clears throat> so touched a bit on the, on the emptiness, on the spaciousness, uh, and on the knowing. And I thought we could spend a little time on the ceaselessly responsive part, on the connection part. And this is where the real, one real aspect, powerful aspect, the magic of awareness comes in, that we can be touched and touch life around us, um, especially if we're here for it, especially if we are present for it and are attentive without our thoughts getting in the way or our uh, judgments or assessments. Um, And particularly this comes into play in the heart practices that probably many of you uh, are familiar with, the loving-kindness practice or compassion practices or uh, other Brahma-vihara practices, the four Brahma-vihara practices. So I thought we could do a little bit of of an exercise with this aspect of awareness. And to do this... um, You'll, uh, you would do it with a partner. You don't have to say anything. You don't have to be brilliant. You don't have to come up with any answers. It's, it would be done uh, completely in silence. If you prefer not to, then that's you know, your option. Um, but if you'd be willing to, um, without doing anything... Um, uh, yet just find a partner that you can be on uh, the same level with. And if you need a partner, raise your hand and, um, uh, and look for somebody else who's got a, a hand raised. Uh, just turn to somebody near you. When I say on the same level, I mean if... One is sitting on a, both can sit on a chair or both on the floor. You can, you don't have to be exactly, uh, but just that, that you can turn to each other. And this is another uh, adaptation of, uh, of, a, of a meditation that Joanna Macy uh, created. And this is, uh, Awareness with uh, through the Brahma Vihara practices. So for a moment, uh, you can close your eyes. You don't have to get into too intense a Sufi stare uh, to the person in front of you. But, um, just relax for a moment. Anyone who needs uh, who needs a partner. Here's anyone else who needs a partner. So, first, I'd like you to um, open your eyes and look at this person in front of you. And you perhaps don't know them, but just imagine all the gifts that they have to give this world. 
their kindness, their caring, their their talents, and seeing that if they are happy, then all those gifts shine through. And so wish them happiness with just simple phrase like, may you be happy and see all the goodness inside of you. You're both, and this is in silence, you're both sharing that and know that you're being uh, offered those thoughts as well. So you're both sending and receiving. May you be happy. And you can close your eyes. And just notice what it feels like in your body, in your mind, and in your heart. It's the divine abode of metta, just wishing well. deep breath when you're ready you can open your eyes again and we'll look through another lens this person in front of you has known sorrow and loss and sadness and tears This person knows suffering. And as you tune into that aspect, notice the caring heart that wishes for them to be at ease and sending thoughts. May you hold your suffering with kindness and compassion. care about your suffering. Sending that and receiving it. And you can close your eyes for a moment. Notice what it feels like inside. divine abode of compassion. How it feels in your body. And when you'd like, you can take another deep breath. When you're ready, you can open your eyes once again and look at this person in front of you through a new lens. This person has known great joy, success, delight, this person 
and has known real happiness, laughter. As you tune into that aspect of them, just wish them for that to continue. May your happiness continue. And may your happiness grow. Continue and may it grow. You can close your eyes when you'd like. Notice how that feels inside. It's the awareness that tunes into happiness. It's in your body. you can take a nice deep breath ready you can open your eyes once again this time as you look at this person in front of you just seeing that they experience have experienced many ups and downs in their life all the lessons that have gone into helping them develop into being who they are. And as they go through their ups and downs, just wish balance for them. May you have balance as you go through life. And within yourself, Within yourself, allow for them to go through whatever they go through. Stay centered within yourself, in silence. This is in silence. And just allowing for them to experience what they go through. May I have balance within myself. And allow your life journey And you can close your eyes. This is the divine abode of equanimity. Balance in the ups and downs of life. Balance within yourself that just allows another to be who they are. Centeredness for them as well. That's how that feels. Just open to how things as they are. 
It's how it feels in the body and in the mind and in the heart. Notice all the different ways that the heart can be touched with just a bit of awareness that tunes in, connects, ceaselessly responsive. And I invite you, you can uh, take a few minutes to just uh, share whatever your experience was with your, with your partner before we come back.
Okay, start finishing up. Okay, you can uh, thank your partners and let's come back for a few moments. So, uh, I know that that can be a, a stretch for, for people, even in the silence. Um, so I hope we're still friends on that. Um, that's the magic of awareness. You don't need to say a thing. Just seeing, oh, who is this person here? Oh, wow. That's a beautiful being. Uh, especially if you, if you look through through those lenses of wishing well, of caring, of seeing the, the joy in, in someone else. And then I hope you got that last one, that equanimity that just lets them have their life without you fixing or adjusting, but just honoring their journey and finding a, a center within yourself um, that allows them to go through what they need to go through. So, um, do you want to talk now? And if we have, maybe if there's, uh, um, we could take a few moments to, to share if anybody has any observations um, that, that they want to share what that was like. We'll just take a, a few comments. I have a feeling if you had a chance to stay connected, you might have you know, been with your partner and fallen in love and, uh, uh, <laughs> in, in a heart 
way, in a, you know, in a fourth chakra way, yeah. Um, but we can just, um, just see what, what that was like. Mm-hmm. Anyone? Behind you. Uh, I thought it was interesting that I felt like the whole room with their partner one-on-one could feel the same lenses that you produce. So sorrow, equilibrium, joy. I I forget the uh, the other one. But everybody had that connection. And I felt it with my dad, but I felt like everybody with strangers, you could experience the same thing that I was experiencing. That's pretty powerful. So we all share, even though we might have different uh, different circumstances, we share that commonality. Yeah. Thank you. Anyone else? I'll share. Yeah. <laughs> um, that was a really cool experience for me, and. It was, uh, at first I started thinking, what is she thinking about me, you mm. know? And then um, I relaxed. I said, it's none of your business what she's thinking about you. Mm. And um, She's probably wishing you well. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, my mind's crazy. So, um, you got and then after I re- relaxed, it was just like a f- just this flood of emotion in my heart and then she tears started coming for her and then it just gave me permission to just freaking go there you know and and we were ball crying and <laughs> so it was awesome yeah and and what you're describing is really uh really important that our first i just gave a talk in this uh, in, in berkeley called uh taking the focus off of me or where our first idea is what how am i coming off or what do they think of me and you know that's guaranteed i know it well paranoid thoughts of i'm not good enough whatever but when you when you go outward and say oh may you be well you know it, it it takes the focus off of you and there's an outflow of goodwill which is a protection that metta was given as a protection from, from danger. It's the best protection where you just wish others well and they can feel your energy and then you both relax into it. So thank you for sharing that. Okay. Anything else? Once, going twice. Okay. Time for your Rinpoche. Let's pause for a while to just process this wonderful open heart experience you have. Let's pause for one moment.
Welcome everybody again. Maybe this is a good time to talk about uh, anatta, no self, in relationship to the the idea of moles melting into love. Anatta literally means no self. It's not so much about whether there's a self or not, but more this experience of uh, not being so lost and contracted in the sense of a self or the sense of I am. And usually when we suffer, when we have a anxiety or hatred, you feel that there's a almost psychic or emotional contraction happening inside you. You feel that your entire being is a contracted and frozen. So the no-self is not so much about uh, that we are meditating, analyzing, and finally to come up with this uh, some kind of profound uh, realization that uh, self does not exist. That may be another way of looking at this uh, ancient idea, no-self. But here, this afternoon, we are not going to really talk about whether self is real or not. Instead, I'm going to invite all of you to experience of not being contracted inside, but feeling more that finally you're losing all your defenses, your resistance, you're no longer concerned or no longer centered around the sense of uh, oneself. Instead, feel that your heart is uh, opening and feeling interconnectedness with the people, with the world, with the life situations, no matter whatever you are going through. We could do this uh, practice by using different methods, such as uh, the compassion practice and also devotional practice. They have been using loving kindness meditation as well as a devotional practice to experience this uh, amazing open heart, the sense of melting into love. Perhaps you can all connect with this uh, phrase, melting into love. It's quite self-explanatory. Since James already led this uh, loving kindness meditation, I'm going to share a devotional practice with all of you that may help you to have a direct taste of this uh, 
state of a mind or heart melting into love. The devotional practice is going to be a mantra. We are going to actually sing a mantra together. Once, James told me this uh, story that uh, he was uh, spending time with uh, uh, Indian spiritual teacher. He was always talking about uh, the devotion, love of the divine. Then James told him that uh, he doesn't relate too much this idea of uh, deities or gods or goddesses. Uh, and I asked him, how can you have a devotion, a love of the divine without all these deities uh, and gods and goddesses? As you know, in some tradition there are lots of uh, gods and goddesses. And then this teacher asked Jim, but do you love Dharma? James said, yes, I love Dharma. He said, that is the devotion of the bhakti. And this afternoon I'm going to invite all of you to chant, sing a mantra with me, the mantra, the name of Tara. By the way, since uh, this tradition is non-theistic, we don't really regard Tara as uh, some kind of supernatural being or a divine goddess. Tara is an archetype for love, for compassion. When I was uh, looking around in this uh, beautiful building, I noticed that there are some images of uh, divine feminine. One of them is here. This must be Avalokiteshvara, or Kwayan, or Pranjana Paramita, the Great Mother, or doesn't really matter. <laughs> it can be all of them. She can be the Pranjana Paramita, the mother of all the Buddhas, or she can be the Kwayan, the goddess, or the mother of compassion, which is the same as Tara. Sometimes uh, when we chant, sing mantras, and also working with the, the archetypes, sacred archetypes, it's easy to open our heart and to feel that you are melting into the love, love that has no object. I consult with James about this idea of singing mantra with all of you. He said, we can do that. Uh, I hope you're open with the chanting mantras. Uh, are you open to that idea? As I mentioned earlier this morning, I've been composing uh, different melodies for various uh, mantras, like the uh, mantra, the name of Avalokiteshvara, uh, Tara, then Vajra Yogini and so forth, uh, all these uh, uh, Buddhist uh, sacred archetypes. This one is uh, the name of uh, Tara. The mantra goes Om Tare Tuttare Ture Svaha. There's a translation of this mantra. Basically, you are praying to your own awareness rather than to a uh, 
divine outside yourself in order to be protected from the not danger from outside but the danger from inside the danger of unawareness the danger of ignorance and delusion how many of you know this um, mantra om tare tu tare tresva can you raise your hands uh, many of you know that already can you repeat after me one time om tare Tuttare, Tre, Svaha, maybe one more, Om, Tare, Tuttare, Tre, Svaha. It sounds very good to me. <laughs> let, let me chant this one time and then you can all join me. Actually, I was leading a, a five days residential silent meditation retreat at this uh, Zen Buddhist monastery in France, which used to be a Catholic monastery. A whole day we sat in a silence, and then in the evening we did uh, lots of chant, especially the more devotional song. We didn't do any complex rituals uh, and the liturgies, just we kept uh, singing mantras. Uh, at one point I felt that we need a melody that is not too traditional that can resonate with uh, anybody, either you are from east or from west. And then in the evenings I walked away from the Zen monastery with my iPhone. And then I walked uh, and I started just singing all these mantras, whatever melody comes in my mind. At one point, this melody popped up in my mind, and I immediately recorded it in my iPhone. And then I kept practicing it until I was able to memorize. And from there on, for the last few years, I've been sharing this melody at many retreats, in uh, different uh, places uh, and so far uh, people don't mind to sing this uh, mantra and you don't have to know the meaning of this uh, mantra you don't have to be religious to, to sing this mantra because uh, in Buddhism uh, there are no gods or goddesses outside there are only sacred archetypes like Tara symbolize your own compassion, your own love, your own devotion. Let me chant once and then you can all join me. Please close your eyes for a while and feel that you are dropping your whole being from your head into your heart right now. Let go of your mind, let go of your ego, let go of your worry, let go of your contractions. And just feel that you are allowing yourself gracefully, not with effort, just fall and descend into your own heart. Your heart that is gentle, spacious, non-resisting, that is a 
completely melting, that can surrender, that can let go of everything, that can forget everything, that can forgive, that is so big it can hold any anything, suffering, happiness, beauty, challenge. Notice that there's this big, vast volume inside you, what you call your own heart. Keep resting into that. I hope you are feeling this uh, like since you are already melting into love right now. Your heart is already love. It doesn't judge, it doesn't objectify, it doesn't separate. It's selfless in itself. Uh, Scholar talking about uh, the spiritual journey that is going away from being self-centered into other-centered. Maybe you feel that journey right now. It's a very profound journey, but it doesn't take a long time. Sometimes all you need is just to tune into this simple energetic shift, allowing yourself to drop into your heart and let all your attention, all your focus, all your energy just uh, gracefully descend, move away from your head into this open heart. Sometimes even I put my hand under my chest just to feel even physically that I'm in touch with my own heart. Tare tu tare tare sabaha. Please join me. Om tare tu tare tare sabaha. Om tare.
This group sings and this group eight. Please continue chant. Oh. 
Om Jepsen Pama Duma Kenken on Jitana Dumarakani Kyaptoso. Om Jepsen Pama Duma Kenken on Jitana Dumarakani Kyaptoso. Om Jepsen Pama Duma Kenken on Jitana Dumarakani Kyaptoso. Just uh, first feel the collective connection. Just rest in that. The mind might go, uh, just connect on energetic level, sharing good heart. People. Let the awareness just receive it. Nothing to do. And then going from the collective being part of the group, and we'll now do some uh, individual walking practice and you can be just as connected to the heart Um, and let the awareness rest inside and as you do the walking practice again with this theme of the magic of awareness um, mindfulness practice can be an appreciation practice. It can be itself a gratitude practice where as you are walking, as feeling the um, the magic of walking, of being alive, the mind might come and go wherever it does. Just keep coming back to the fact that you're alive in a body that serves you 
has awareness and kindness. Just appreciating the moment, enjoying it to whatever extent available to you. And we'll, we'll walk for oh, about 20 minutes and then uh, come back for another sitting and then uh, Rinpoche and I will uh, just have an open uh, conversation with, with everyone uh, to close. I um, want to mention while I think about it a um, couple of things. First of all, that we're going to be teaching a retreat together here next year, uh, a five-day retreat, um, the end of November. Uh, and it's we've talked before about a retreat of that length, and it's really fun. So keep it in your calendars. It's, uh, it's after Thanksgiving. It's something like November 27th uh, or something of 2017. Yeah. And also, while I think about it, um, especially for all the fathers and sons that are here, uh, a week from tomorrow, I'm going to be doing a day long with my son, Adam, who teaches teens here at... Uh, uh, at Spirit Rock, he's now 29, and we're going to do. It's on Father's Day, and it's a Fathers and Sons uh, Day, creating a conscious relationship. So, if you want to come with either your father or your son, or uh, want to come uh, just on your own, if you're if you don't have a father or a son right now to come with, or they're not around, uh, please join us. It's going to be it's going to be good, and there's some flyers out in the in the hall on it. So I just wanted to mention that while I while it's in my mind. So we'll walk for about 20 minutes, come back for uh, a sitting, and then we can hang out together more informally.
practice period. We'll sit for about 15 minutes or so. And uh, just want to mention one thing that hasn't been mentioned before as far as instruction goes. Um, Besides noticing the the thoughts or the sensations or the breath or sounds um, or even the awareness itself, uh, sometimes what's um, what's not so obvious but that the Buddha suggested and encouraged is to uh, notice the various mind states uh, and in particular he said that um, when there is a wholesome state to, um, to pay attention to it to not miss it he talked about if there's a a difficult state of mind, if there's sadness or fear or confusion, of course, to include that in the meditation. Everything is included in the meditation. But sometimes uh, it's not so obvious that when there's calm or there's joy or there's um, ease or peace, that that too is a fine meditation subject in one of the aspects of wise effort he talks about um, cultivating wholesome states like loving kindness or mindfulness but also maintaining and increasing wholesome states when they've arisen so I just uh, want to um, invite you if you're happening to be feeling at ease or um, enjoying the, the, the afternoon or the day or the space that you're in, that that in itself can be a, a subject of your awareness. You can explore the terrain of calm and ease or peace or love or whatever. You don't have to... Um, look for the sensation or you don't have to uh, notice the breath if those other things are predominant uh, this is a a useful thing to keep in mind in your life as well so that you don't miss the moments of goodness that are uh, arising as we sit for just a few moments um, before food right now whatever it is is absolutely fine so you don't have to pretend or manufacture anything if you happen to find yourself at ease after a day here at Spirit Rock before you need to return to whatever you return to, let yourself connect with and open to this mind state or this state of heart. And when I say that, you can feel what it's like in your body 
feel the landscape of calm. Landscape of open-heartedness or whatever you're feeling. And uh, there's nothing you need to mess around with or do or change or squeeze out or anything else. With that in mind, whatever your experience is, just notice what's
So we thought for this last um, portion of the, the day that we can just open it up to um, topics, conversations, or comments, or questions that you want to... Hang, hang on, right over here. Um, hang on, we'll just get... I was wondering if we are all in this dance of selfing versus unselfing and we all share that sort of common experience then, and everything is also at the very same time essentially okay because of the basic Buddha nature within all of us, then why do people spend so much time dedicated to cultivating bodhicitta? You know, if we're in that dance, I'm just trying to understand I'm not trying to play devil's advocate. I'm just trying to understand, sort of, uh, am I clear? Okay. Give you a very simple answer. I think there is a bodhicitta. So you don't have to cultivate all the time. It's already bodhicitta, what you're sharing. That feeling that everything's okay, that's true bodhicitta, waking mind. Thank you. I'd like you to expand a bit on the devotional aspect of the practice. I was brought up a Catholic. I, um, and this, I have sort of like a chip inside my head that sometimes when I'm in peace and try to meditate, I immediately go into like a devotional and I feel that I'm doing something which is not correct. And it's not what we're looking for. So how can you understand, can you expand a bit on the devotional aspect from a Buddhist perspective? Um, yeah, there's actually, it's, it's uh, interesting when the practice came from Asia to, uh, to the West some decades ago, that um, the teachers, say uh, Jack Cornfield and Joseph Goldstein and, and, and Sharon Salzberg, and, uh, main teachers, thought that it would probably be best to not bring a lot of the, the cultural elements of, uh, of Dharma as it's done in Asia. But actually, there's devotion all over the place in yeah, in, in Buddhism. We, we just had the monastics here and spent a lot of time chanting and bowing. And Jack used to, Jack said uh, when he was a monk for a few years, uh, the basic principle was, if it moves, you bow. 
Um, and that it's a really um, a beautiful part of, of um, Buddha Dharma. There's, uh, the Buddha spoke of wisdom followers and faith followers, uh, different temperaments. And one is just as good as, as another. They can both lead to uh, deep, uh, deep awakening. And sometimes it can get very dry if it's more on the clarity end. It needs a heart element. And in the five spiritual faculties, wisdom needs to be balanced by faith. Or and what the word that's translated for uh, for faith, sadha, really means to put one's heart upon. And if you don't have that um, that heartfelt connection to practice, then uh, it can get very dry. So I think you're onto something there. It's one of the gifts of say. Uh, your your uh, Christian uh, upbringing or uh, Hinduism or uh, Islam that there's a little bit more of a, a heart quality or it's more obvious than say the the practices that we've brought here in in the West in Theravadan and certainly in Tibetan devotion is a very big part of of, of practice, and Rinpoche could speak to, more to that. But um, I think it's something to really be honored and cultivated, like Rinpoche was saying before. Um, it might not, it might look different than say uh, bowing to a creator god, but your your love of the Dharma has called you here, right? And to access and stay connected to that place that loves the Dharma is really key. When Rinpoche was talking about that, uh, that story before, it was a turning point for me. It was Ramdas was my was, was the teacher, and I had been practicing Buddhism for a while, and there was this this devotional scene, doing mala beads and chanting Sri Ram J Ram and all of that. And I said, I don't know if this, this is my thing. And then he said, I'll share with you a little bit about about the process. He said, Well, let me ask you. You know, how do you how do you feel about Jesus? Do you love Jesus? And I said, Well, I like Jesus. <laughs> I don't know if I love Jesus. But, you know, beautiful, inspiring teachings, but I don't know if I love him the way you, you, you see him. And he said, okay, well, how about Krishna? Do you love Krishna? And again, I said, I like Krishna, you know, and, but maybe not in that deep devotional way. And then he said, well, what about God? Do you love God? And I said, you know, Ramdas, for me, when I hear the word God, I, I grew up it, it, more God-fearing with this big 
male with a beard and a book and a pen and you're going to have a good day and you're not going to have a good day. And, uh, and it, it put the fear of God into me instead of the love of God. That was just how my mind worked it. But when I hear the word God, I think in terms of the Dharma, just the perfection of it all and how just the mystery of it all. And then he asked me, as Rinpoche said, well, you love the Dharma? And I said, oh yeah, absolutely. And then he said, did you ever tell the Dharma you loved it? <laughs> he said, well, go ahead. I said, what do you, what do you mean? He said, just tell it, say, I love you, Dharma. And I felt completely idiotic. He said, I'll say it with you. Go ahead, say it. And I said, I love you, Dharma. And he said, I love you, Dharma. And he said, keep it up. And by the third or fourth time, I really felt it. Yes, it's you. Uh, you heard me. Uh, <laughs> um, and I, uh, I really felt it. And tears came down from my, uh, my cheeks, at which point he said, oh, there's hope for you yet. <laughs> but it was a, a real turning point for me because here I thought, oh, the, the clarity and the pristine uh, 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 Buddha Dharma, uh, I was missing that connection. And I realized, oh, God, I just love, I just love the truth. I just love goodness and purity of heart. And that is something that I've, I've tried to uh, invite others to get in touch with. There's something that would bring you here on a Saturday to just sit and feel your breath and not move. There's something that you can't ignore. What is that? Don't miss that. There's some deep, heartfelt connection that you just can't ignore. And this is something very precious to, uh, to keep developing and, and celebrating. So however it works for you is, uh, is something to really be honored. And it might look very different from the person next to you, but uh, it's just words, whatever, you, whatever name you call it. Stay connected to here. Thank you. Uh, hi, Ramshay. Thank you very much for your guys' time today. Speak up just a um, Can you hear me now? That's okay. Um, so I guess this will give you, I guess, maybe a little bit of idea where I'm at in my practice. But um, a lot of times in coming here today, my motivation is maybe more of the stick as opposed to the carrot. And I mean that... Um, it's it's to avoid pain. It's it's to avoid kind of maybe sinking back into a certain state of my life. And I find myself that I'm more dedicated to my practice in times when things aren't going that well. Things start to improve, and then my practice kind of goes away. Um, and, and Rinpoche, you mentioned earlier there was a, a, I guess you had a discussion around, I guess, meaninglessness um, and the drudgery of, 
going to work and then practicing and then the groceries and just all that on a day-to-day basis and sometimes kind of struggling with like a, a lack of inspiration to kind of keep on because it's it's more of avoidance of pain. Like, I don't want to feel this, so I'm going to continue to do this, but less carrot and maybe finding like joy. It's It's just like constantly like brute force on a day-to-day basis. And so... Um, I don't know, yeah, what your experience is with that, but I guess, um, yeah, I wanted to kind of like throw that out there for the, for you. We're talking about the, the mystery. About the mystery. Yeah, I think that's what this is about, mystery. <coughs> Can you share about the conversation we had? Mm-hmm. Great, why don't you? I think you do much better than I do. <laughs> no. <laughs> Well, I can just first respond about about joy. Um, There's a book out there, Awakening Joy, uh, which is about the the Dharma as a path of happiness. And I wrote that book because for a while I lost my joy. I became really serious about my practice, dead serious about my practice. And it was, um, it was to do the right thing or when I'd be motivated, like you say, it was more the stick than the carrot. And um, that's only half the story. That, didn't you, when you listen to that, that little boy did that anything touch you about that? About opening to the mystery? Were you here when? Yeah, I was. Um, I think that. I guess the mystery did it. I did feel something, and it was touching. Um, what did you feel? I guess when when he was kind of identifying each of the different roles, you know, and and so you know, for myself, I have these motivations of something I'd like to become. And I think as I get older, I realize that none of those are actually really, I guess, taking away um, or like satisfying whatever it is that's my motivation. And then eventually you're like, none of this is working. (laughs) And and you're like, all right, well, how do I kind of keep on like fighting the good fight when it's like, no, it's not the athlete, it's not the movie star, it's not the, you know, financier it's not any of that it's just but you just got to keep showing up and sometimes it just gets so exhausting I guess and yeah. that's what I was hearing I mean I can identify and it, it touched me but it yeah there's no answer <laughs> yeah well and when you say um, fighting the good fight uh, although the, the Buddha was a warrior was from the warrior caste and there's a lot of images of conquering um for most of us, we've been battling for a long time. And it's, it's a good thing to be motivated to end our suffering. It's a good thing to be motivated to, say, clean up our act so we don't cause more problems for ourselves or others. But that just goes halfway. And it's even juicier like that devotion aspect where you just love the truth or where you're, you're tuning into all the, the blessings in your life. 
you're tuning into how amazing it is to be alive. Emaho, just how amazing. You are alive. Did you ever check that out? And I mean, I know you know you're alive, but did you ever just really go deep and say, how did I get here? You know, like the old uh, Talking Heads song, you know, you may ask, how did you get here? You know, it's a very good thing to ask. You're alive, and if you just see this as protecting you from from all the struggles and and the and the and the uh, uh, the dangers in life, then it's a very contracting and not so sustainable practice. But if you get in touch with how much you love the truth, or how what a blessing it is to be alive, or how can I get in touch with all the, 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 the gifts that I've been given and share it with the world, which comes from seeing through your confusion and your contraction. That's where the real joy comes from, to see what your gifts have, are and to make a contribution, to see others... Um, a bit happier then there's a whole other dimension to practice then it becomes a joyful path as the Dalai Lama says in, in the opening line of his book The Art of Happiness he says the purpose of life is to be happy the purpose of life is to be happy. Not just, oh yes, can I walk around with a smile on my face and, and skip through fields of daisies. It's to find genuine well-being inside and to bring it out into the world. So you might just kind of shift your, if you can get in touch with a deeper motivation than just, okay, it's getting hard now, I better practice, but oh, the more consciousness and kindness and compassion I can have towards myself as well as others, just the happier I'll be. And let that be a motivation. Um, That's really powerful. But the, the key decision is to make your own happiness and well-being make it a priority in your life. And that's one that we don't always do. You know, well, I don't know if I have a right to be happy or if I, you know, because we kind of sabotage ourselves. But to see your happiness and well-being is a gift to everybody in the world. And then maybe your practice can have a, a, a another motivation. Hello. Hi. Um, you talked about um, meditating on good, good feelings and recognizing when you're in a state of joy. And recently, I've been doing that, but it's it doesn't. It kind of takes me away from the feeling of joy. So I'm thinking like. 
oh, okay, I'm having a joyful experience right now, and then I'm not really in the experience, and I don't feel as joyful. Mm. And I wondered if you could say something about that. Okay, yeah. Um, Yeah, you don't want to be in your head when you do it, but you can be relaxing into it. So, uh, and also the word joy can be, can trip people up. Well, I'm trying, you know, I teach this Awakening Joy course and, and sometimes people say, I'm trying really hard to be joyful and it's, <laughs> it's just not going well. You know? <laughs> Don't try hard to be joyful. Um, there's lots of different flavors of well-being whether it's peace or ease or contentment or gratitude or all of those. So there's lots of different flavors. Um, But it's simply not missing what's here now. And we usually miss it by toppling forward to the next thing. Okay, feeling good now, uh, but what about the next thing? Well, this is simply feeling, not just knowing you feel good, but feeling what it's like to feel good. As an example, and, uh, and we're almost out of time, but this will be maybe the last thing that we do. Everybody can try this. Just close your eyes for a moment. And um, bring to mind some blessing in your life. Someone or something that you're grateful for or grateful to. And have an image of that person or that circumstance. And as you bring that image into your consciousness, give a very uh, simple, silent thank you right from your heart life for that person. Thank you. And now without needing to do anything more, just relax in that feeling of gratitude. Just your mind or your heart or your body as you're connected to that. Thank you. Thank you so much and then just relax into it. Might take a breath. Let's do one more one more blessing in your life. Someone something that you're grateful for, grateful to. Maybe call on an image that connects you with it, with them. And then a simple thank you. Thank you so much.
Thank you very much. Yeah. It's, it, you don't have to do anything extra. It's basically just not missing it. You know, there you are looking at a sunset and being touched and the mind can easily go to, oh, what's, gonna, what's for dinner? Um, no, just be here and say, wow, that is so beautiful. There you are. It's it's uh, just about time to end the day, and I want to mention also uh, about uh, Rinpoche. There's some cards there. Rinpoche is having a retreat in August, the 5th through the 12th, uh, down at Mount Madonna, and there's cards out on, uh, on the table. Um, there's, I also put these fathers and sons... Uh, flyers out on the table and there's Awakening Joy books I didn't is there any um, was there any email list put out I um, wonder if you could just have a sheet of paper uh, on the table and if you want to be on uh, my list or uh, maybe Rinpoche's list he meets over in, uh, every other Sunday or uh, where he gives a talk in Point Richmond on uh, at the Dharmata. If you're in the East Bay on Thursdays, we meet at uh, uh, Berkeley Buddhist Monastery. Um, the uh, website is insightberkeley.org uh, every Thursday night. Um, so any last words to, to say? Thank you everybody for being here today. Such a nice way to dedicate the day. We all create this a sacred container today. And I felt I've been swimming a little bit in sea of collective awareness instead of collective unawareness. Mm-hmm. Thank you for participating in this retreat. I just want to let you know that whenever we do this kind of meditation retreat, uh, I always try to think uh, I'm not doing this for myself. In the same way, I encourage all of you to realize that what we did today wasn't just for ourselves, wasn't just for once, once enlightenment or once transformation. Uh, we might like to think that we did this for, for others. Uh, I don't know whether this is logical or not, uh, but in many ways it is true we did for, for others, including ourselves, for our, for our humanity. Thank you. And thank you so much for sharing this day with me and I learned a lot. Can I try the last exercise in my retreat? Yeah, please take what it doesn't belong to anyone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's such a, a, a pleasure to to be with you as, as it always is. I, I pray that we'll, we'll teach again and again many times. Yes, yes. So we can actually just take a, a moment to dedicate the, the merit just delight in sharing a, a day with, with others and whatever good that we've touched in our own hearts 
and together may it have a rippling effect and be for our own well-being for everyone in our lives and ripple out to be of benefit to all beings Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.